Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. And I got to tell you right off the top, pray for Steve Nash. There's lots of excitement if you are a Brooklyn Nets fan because they have traded for fat James Harden and they are hoping that at some point in the future he will become not fat James Harden. Uh, They are pairing him with Kevin Durant and also with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is presently on some sort of basketball sabbatical He has been traveling to Canada, allegedly, to party with Drake. He has been on Zoom calls with former Sex and the City star Cynthia Nixon. The only one of these three that is presently able to play is Kevin Durant. I saw a great tweet, if you are at all familiar, with the the Brooklyn area. And this uh, this is from a guy named Jake Biddle. The Nets have now acquired on Twitter... The Nets have now acquired all three types of Brooklyn guy. A weirdly skinny guy, a guy with a huge beard, and a guy who's obsessed with astrology and conspiracy theories. Will it lead them to a championship? We will wait and see. And by wait and see, I mean it'll be until May till we know anything at all because the NBA regular season does not matter. I do think it is interesting that all three of these guys playing with the Brooklyn Nets that are superstars feel on some level as if they are profoundly unhappy. Kevin Durant is out there making burner accounts to respond to critics on social media. James Harden got fat and his entire team in Houston 
seems to have turned on him based on very limited effort. By the way, James Harden restaurant opens in Houston on January 22nd. How do you think that restaurant is going to do when it officially opens to the public? It is called 13 with the number 13, of course, referring to the number that James Harden wears on the basketball court as if he were not already opening a restaurant in the middle of a pandemic when the number of people that can be there are restricted. It would seem that an athlete who has left the city would be unlikely to do well opening a restaurant named after himself when you have forced everyone on the team in the executive ranks to trade you. Uh, In the process also, so that's two unhappy guys. We also have maybe the most profoundly unhappy guy of all, Kyrie Irving, who's basically just disappeared from the team and doesn't appear to have really told the Brooklyn Nets what he wants or why he wants it. Now, this is the downside, I believe, of the social media era because I think these guys are profoundly unhappy in some ways because they're all hyper aware of the perpetual thoughts and opinions of everybody all day long, every day, because I think most of you out there who may be going to buy the Powerball tickets today, which is approaching, what, a billion dollars, most of you would be happy, I think, if you were making $40 million a year to play basketball, none of these three guys are, which means that Steve Nash, the new coach, first-year coach of the Brooklyn Nets, has an incredibly difficult job in trying to get all three of these guys to play well together and eventually pull in a common direction. I don't believe he's going to be particularly successful, but maybe as we get closer to the postseason, these guys will dial in a bit more. The larger issue, I would say, is that part of this big three, these are three guys that are used to having the basketball in their hands a lot of times during crunch time. And I got to believe that on some level, Kevin Durant is sitting back and recognizing how good of a job Steve Kerr did managing all the egos and all of the expectations with the Golden State Warriors when he was there with Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, and Steph Curry. And maybe, in a large degree, that is what the Brooklyn Nets are thinking they are getting in Steve Nash is another former guard in this league who was able to uh, work well with big-time superstars. Steve Kerr, obviously, as a shooting guard primarily, uh, but Steve Nash as a point guard with big-time superstars on the court when they were, even if Steve Nash was a two-time MVP, I think it's fair to say Steve Nash never really carried himself as a big-time superstar. He was always the scrappy Canadian point guard from Santa Clara University who was hoping to prove that he belonged in a big way uh, in the NBA. So, that is where we are. We'll tune back in around uh, April to see how this experiment is going. The Brooklyn Nets are now favored to win the NBA's Eastern Conference. They are the second biggest favorite behind the Lakers to win the NBA. So, if you were taking the odds makers at their projections, we would be looking at the Lakers versus Brooklyn for the NBA championship when we get to June. Your reaction, Danny G, to James Harden to the Nets 
is this good or bad for the NBA as a whole? I'm not sure. I'm not a huge fan of how he forced his way out of Houston. Um, and I think a meme that was circulating yesterday afternoon says it best. It has three boxes, one big one and two smaller ones. The big one is KD. Then there's an empty square. And then there's a square of a big fat dude wearing a Brooklyn uniform. And at the yeah. top, it says the Brooklyn big three. Yeah. So Kyrie is the X factor. And maybe the earth really is flat because he's fallen off of it. I just don't understand how Kyrie is going to be good for any squad that has championship aspirations. I mean, how long ago when it was KD saying everything around LeBron, LeBron is toxic, remember? Yes. Uh, No, LeBron has been getting along very well with his teammates. They're having fun here in Los Angeles. The guy who's toxic is his teammate, Kyrie. You know, I would like to see that NBA Finals. That would be a great matchup, obviously. But is Kyrie going to even be in the mix? Is he even going to come back? And when he does, is he going to screw all this up? Here's a question for you. This is one of the, I think, the challenges that the NBA has in general in connecting with your average American sports fan. In the middle of a pandemic, when the unemployment rate has gotten higher, mercifully it's coming back down uh, now, but the number of people filing for unemployment has never been higher in any of our lives. Uh, Kyrie Irving just walks away from his job paying him $40 million a year without explaining why he is leaving. How many people in America can just walk away from their job without giving any reason to their bosses, their superiors about where, why they are leaving and continue to make their full salary with what appears to be no consequences? Back in the day, and, and this is, this is going to sound a little bit like I'm an old guy, but I do think that it is emblematic of larger issues. Kyrie Irving, to me, is the guy who was born on third base and thinks he hit a triple. The reason why Kyrie Irving makes the money that he does is because of Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and Michael Jordan, and Shaquille O'Neal, and Charles Barkley, all the people who spent decades of sweat equity to build the NBA to the point where the players make the money that they do now. Kyrie Irving did not create a massive NBA fan base. He did not in any way, arguably, grow the league at all. Entities like the NBA are public trusts. You have to keep putting in in order for the people after you to continue to collect. I think that the NBA all too often has become defined by guys like Kyrie Irving who don't particularly care very much, who don't want to work very hard, and who can do that without any consequences for their behavior. What they don't understand is that they are now withdrawing on the overall league equity that people who worked way harder than them spent decades building. And I believe over the last couple of years, the NBA has lost huge amounts of equity that was built up by Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, those guys in the 80s, the 90s, and the early 2000s. And I'm reading from a friend of mine who is a public figure 
that many of you would know. And he tweeted me last night while I was sleeping. I didn't realize how out of the loop I was on sports until a friend sent the Harden trade and he was the only person that was letting me know about it. I think a lot of people feel that way. They really have destroyed so much of the social fabric. And I do think that is a larger issue that is at play right now in the NBA. You have an opinion, at least, uh, Danny G, about how this is going to work out. I still have an opinion because I still watch the NBA playoffs pretty aggressively. I think there's a massive number of people listening to us right now that are like, yeah, I just don't care. They just put together James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, and I think the majority of our listening audience doesn't care at all. And it's interesting because in life, the worst thing that can happen to you is indifference. Love or hate, like everybody had a strong opinion back in the day just about when Kevin Durant decided to go play with the Warriors. Think about it. You may remember where you were. I believe it was on July 4th when he announced that he was going to the Warriors. Everybody. It was a take quake. It was a take factory. Everybody reacted instantaneously to Kevin Durant deciding to bail on the Oklahoma City Thunder and going to join the Golden State Warriors. Everybody had an opinion. I don't think anywhere near as many people have an opinion about the new big three being created in Brooklyn. And I think that's a testament to the destruction of interest because, and I say this you know, a lot of times with, uh, with coaching searches too, I'll give you an example in football right now. I think a lot of University of Tennessee fans are indifferent about the fate of Jeremy Pruitt going forward because they've been through, had their equity dragged through the mud over the last 15 or 20 years by and large, and they just don't have that much, that same burning passion that they used to. Hate is the flip side of love. If somebody hates you, They care desperately, just like if someone loves you. Indifference is the enemy if you are in the world of entertainment, which is what the NBA is. A lot of you being like, yeah, don't care. That's the worst thing that can happen to the NBA anytime something like the James Harden trade happens. If people started saying about my radio show, what do you think about Clay Travis and OutKick? A lot of people love him. Take a bullet for that guy. A lot of people hate him. I'd shoot that guy. Metaphorically, hopefully, not literally. The enemy to me is not love or hate because those people listen and they pay attention. The enemy is indifference. And the NBA, I believe, is in danger of providing and provoking a lot of indifference because they feel so, people do, so fundamentally disconnected from the lifestyles of your average NBA player. And in a time when there has never been, for the last several months, higher unemployment than most of our lives, I think Kyrie Irving is emblematic of that disconnect when he just walks out of work, doesn't explain why he's not showing up, and leaves everybody else on his team to continue to work. And I think James Harden, who showed up 
hugely out of shape and didn't have any interest in playing for the Houston Rockets. And then both of these guys get rewarded for their behavior. You decide that you don't want to be there at all. Okay, we'll trade you to somewhere you'd rather be. And Kyrie Irving continues to get paid with no consequences. And it seems like the Brooklyn Nets aren't even willing to treat him like an adult. They're afraid to say anything for fear that they're going to hurt his hurt his uh, hurt his feelings. Now, player empowerment can be very good because whether you love or hate him, LeBron James has moved around the NBA and ended up in better positions based on the decisions that he made. He went to Miami. He added Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, won a couple of championships. Went back to Cleveland, won a championship there. Went to L.A. Uh, and has won a championship there and put together teams that are capable of winning championships around him. Now, you can say you would have preferred that he stay one place his entire career like, uh, like Michael Jordan, but at least his movements have created opportunities for championships in three different cities. There does appear to be a method to his, uh, his, his vagabond nature. It's predicated on trying to win championships, and I don't know that the James Hardens and the Kyrie Irvings of the world are making sense with their moves. Does that connect with you, Dub, what I'm saying? Like, I don't believe there's a single person, hardly, in the world right now who can do what Kyrie Irving is doing, and I think that makes it harder for the average fan to connect, and worse than that, I think it makes it harder for the average fan to care. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, two of the three guys in the story, James Harden and Kyrie Irving, they don't care. I mean, you yeah. mentioned James Harden. He showed up probably 20 or 30 pounds overweight to begin the season. He doesn't like the moves that he basically made for the Houston Rockets, so he says, I want out. He gets his wish. Kyrie Irving thinks he's some sort of like philosopher shaman you yeah, know, with it the is kind of sage. Crazy. Yes. I mean, he thinks he's like so, he's such a genius. And then he's like, oh, I'm just not going to play. People are like, dude, what are you doing? And you mentioned it, especially, you know, at this moment of in time, it people, it just doesn't connect with anybody at all in the entire country. And I think you're right. I remember thinking back to when Kevin Durant decided to go to the Warriors. I mean, that was a huge, huge deal. No one cares at all about this. Right? I mean, I just, I don't feel like, when you remember the Kevin Durant move, I bet a lot of you recollect, it was July 4th, so it was already kind of a unique day on the calendar, but I bet a lot of you recollect looking down at your phones, hearing from a buddy, seeing the news alert, getting the notification, uh, I maybe turning on the radio and hearing us talking about it on Fox Sports Radio, and having an immediate visceral reaction and opinion. I think a lot of people, my, my initial reaction when I saw Harden go into Brooklyn was just, man, Steve Nash has got his work cut out for him in terms of the management difficulty of these three different dudes that I don't suspect are going to end up liking each other very much at all. And it just, to me, is emblematic of that larger NBA culture. I mean, I just, the Kyrie Irving thing, Eddie, you've done updates for a long time. Can you remember a player just walking out on his team and nobody knows why he left or where he's going? I mean, it's one thing every now and then we have enigmatic solo acts. And what I mean by that is a boxer 
you know, someone who is not a part necessarily of a larger team and can be difficult to try to corral a UFC fighter. You know, they're they're out on their own and they kind of spin a little bit out of control. But I don't really remember. I mean, I guess you could go back to the 90s when Dennis Rodman took a vacation from the Chicago Bulls. But Rodman was a wildly successful player. And he just went out to party, right? I mean, it was like he just wanted to party. I I don't even know what Kyrie Irving's motivations are to suddenly decide that he's not he doesn't want to be with the Nets. Well, he's certainly a different guy. Uh, it certainly seems. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, he's been and he's getting weirder <laughs> as his career goes on. Is he single with no kids? I'd have to look that up. Uh, I know, but just just him coming out and not wanting to talk to the media and talking yeah, about oh, yeah, how, I know. how he's I mean, an artist. And, I mean, walking around with the sage in Boston, I mean, it's super weird, I mean, right? he, he did have the, also, he thought the earth was flat, oh, apparently. Oh, yeah, we well remember, I mean, yes. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting guy, to say the least. Yeah, I just think, the the reason why I asked if he was single with no kids is, like, what is Kyrie Irving's home life like? When you know, because if you're living in some huge mansion by yourself, and there's nobody really around you, other than maybe some syncophants who are selling the idea that you are brilliant. I mean, it's not like Kyrie Irving is going to be founding Tesla if he's not playing basketball. Like, I I don't understand what Kyrie Irving thinks that Kyrie Irving would be doing if he weren't playing basketball. More power to him if he wants to go do it, but it doesn't seem to me like he's got such a unique interest that he would be focused on that if it weren't basketball. Does that make sense? Like Elon Musk is an eccentric billionaire genius, the founder of Tesla. He pours all of his interest into Tesla, but I can see at some point his brain is so overwhelmingly talented that he also is like, hey, we're going to do SpaceX and I'm involved in this solar company and also I'm trying to you know, build pods that can shoot people under the ground in fast you know, time to other locations. His brain has to be in, in, in you know, is so, so eccentrically unique that it can be focused on a ton of different things at the same time. I don't really get the sense that Kyrie is Elon Musk, but I think Kyrie thinks that he is Elon Musk, or maybe Kanye uh, is a better he's example got, for Kyrie Irving. He's got a he's got a daughter with his ex girlfriend. Yeah. He's not married. okay, but we don't know if they live together or if they you know like to what extent that. And the reason why I'm asking that question is family can sometimes ground you. Right. Oh, yeah, big time. When your kid, you know this, Roberto, when you wake up in the morning and your kid is like, I'm hungry, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to be like, oh, I'm such a brilliant artist. You know, like I, you know, when your kid comes and, and gets you out of bed in the morning and says, I need you to make me something to eat, or I, I what am I going to wear to school today, or all these other things that are very prosaic requirements for normal people to be involved in, it's grounding. I don't know that Kyrie Irving has a lot of grounding in his life right now. He seems like a high, like a college kid who everybody remembers if you go to college like there's a few people who freshman year like decide to try on completely different identities 
than they've had for their life up to that point. One of my college roommates was like that. And you were like, dude, you were a totally different person in August. And now we're going home for Thanksgiving. And nobody that you went to high school with is going to remotely recognize you because your entire persona has changed in the four months that you've spent in college. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just you're not very well grounded at that point because the new you is so ephemeral and so disconnected from reality. And I feel like that's where Kyrie Irving is right now. What do you think about that? Can you imagine, Roberto? Like, whatever you do for a living, everybody out there listening, if you just didn't show up for work for a couple of weeks, like it appears Kyrie Irving's going to do, everybody would get fired. Like, that's how the real world goes. The real world for Kyrie Irving doesn't exist. Yeah, like, I can just imagine telling telling you guys, yeah, you know what, I, I don't... I don't feel good with what's going on right now. I'm I'm just not gonna come to work for for the for the next few days. Uh, so just uh, I'll I'll let you know when I'm coming. It's it's ridiculous. It's crazy. He's he's a he's a, he's a space cadet, man. Uh, Kyrie's a space cadet. He uh, like you say, he's not he's not grounded. I know when my daughter came into my life, I became a totally I I was already a responsible, even more responsible person. And right. Totally changed my life, man. Yeah. Well, you cease to become the. You know, sort of in the solar system universe, which I don't know if Kyrie Irving even believes in, instead of being the sun upon which every other planet revolves, you have to become a part, like you're one of the planets then, like you're reacting to other things, right? Instead of being the central uh, object of attention, and it doesn't seem like Kyrie Irving has, has moved away from that or has recognized it, and I think that disconnect is profoundly problematic in a big way and he's not going to be happy with this trade yeah these guys are happy he's going to be the he's probably going to be the third wheel with uh, Kevin Durant and James Harden because they're better scorers than he is so he's definitely going to be a lot of drama there oh imagine making 40 million dollars a year to play a sport and being unhappy oh that's crazy which I think is what's going on with Kevin Durant James Harden and Kyrie Irving and why Steve Nash's coach uh, coaching ability is going to be pretty much determined by how well he can get those three guys to get along when they're not getting along with anybody in the whole world. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Michelin tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their michelin test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be we roll into the second hour of the Thursday edition. And when I go check to make sure that there's not any new news now on my Twitter feed, since they have suspended and banned President Trump from Twitter, nobody that I follow on Twitter is ever up. You know how when you click refresh on Twitter and literally no new tweets come up? It used to never do that. In the morning, you certainly by the second hour, there would start to be news breaking, things would be happening. With the president off of Twitter, there's nobody on my account who is up. The only other time this used to happen was when I would do late night West Coast Fox Sports Live several years ago. By the time I got back to the hotel, 
you know, you're getting into bed and I would be like, okay, is there any news I need to be aware of as I get ready to go to sleep? And there's that feeling when you hit refresh and it comes back and there's nothing there that like the world is, has stopped moving. I, that would be probably about 3 a.m. on the East Coast. West Coasters know this feeling when the East Coast has gone to bed. It's about now uh, when you're on the West Coast too and you're getting into bed and you're clicking refresh and almost nobody, nothing new is being posted. Everybody's asleep. That's how it is now on the radio program. For the past four years, the president was always up and almost every day he'd be tweeting something and people would be reacting to it and there'd be a lot of frenzy. Now there's nothing. And look, there's a lot of questions about big tech and I've I've written and talked about those a lot. I was on Fox News a couple of days ago talking about big tech. One of the most popular things we've had on OutKick in a while was my column about why Amazon, Apple, Google, all of the big tech companies are basically they need to be broken up under antitrust law uh, and they have become unbelievably powerful in terms of the decisions that they can make. But do you guys notice that on your Twitter feeds too? For people out there who are like, why are you checking? Because at any moment, in theory, there could be a new NFL coach, something could happen in the world of sports and we're trying to be on top of it for you. But have you guys also noticed on your Twitter feeds, like when you're checking them, that they are way more dead now than they were when the president was active? Uh, well, we obviously follow different people in different sites, but I mean, mine pretty much looks the same. Here on the West Coast, you were saying it. We're up earlier than you are. So it's always kind of looked like that until a little later into the morning. Here. I mean, it's 7 a.m. On the, on the East Coast. The president was starting the news cycle typically on most days by 7 a.m. He would have something to say, and it's like it would wake people up. And, Dub, have you noticed this? Like, it, it feels like in the morning now things are even more dead than they used to be. You know, I didn't necessarily notice it until you mentioned it, if that makes sense. Because now that I think about it the last couple of days, it has been kind of dead early in the morning while I'm sitting here at work. Things don't, you know, I refresh. I just refreshed my feed and nothing came up, and it's 7.05 yes, Eastern time. That's right. Eddie, you're the news guy. Do you notice this? Like, has it seemed like things have slowed down? Now, you know, partly when the NFL ends and college football ends, like we were talking about a second ago, the natural cycle of sports is there's football season and then there's non-football season. So we're down to having seven more football games. Sorry to disappoint everybody out there. Four this weekend, two next weekend, a week off, and then the Super Bowl. But we're down to seven games and... Once those seven games are over, it's a big difference. Then you get March Madness. And then basically there's, look, I understand some of you are hardcore Major League Baseball fans and you desperately care about, you know, what happens in June and July baseball, May, June and July baseball. I understand some of you are hardcore hockey hockey fans, NBA fans. But the number of people that care about sports declines precipitously as soon as the Super Bowl is over until it gets close to football season again. I have not noticed the difference, uh, but that said, all of my, all of the people I follow on Twitter are all about sports, so it's not a lot of political stuff on my. Uh, I just, I mean, account. like literally nothing going on. I clicked uh, refresh for the last fifteen minutes. Nobody that I follow has posted anything of any sort of any nature. All right, so we've got four different games going on this weekend. Uh, we have got uh, two on Saturday and two on Sunday. 
I am pretty excited to watch all four because although I may have to reconsider my angle of analysis here, I now think that Wild Card Weekend is the best weekend of the NFL season as long as they keep us with three games on Saturday and three on Sunday. Prior to that, I had considered divisional playoff game weekend to be the best weekend in the NFL because you get the final eight teams in the NFL, two great games on Saturday, two great games on Sunday. And I've just seen over the years, and I know a lot of you have as well, that a lot of AFC and NFC championship games don't end up being that interesting. And as you diminish the number of games that are available, the likelihood of any one game being great goes down as well. Uh, So this has typically been my favorite week of the NFL postseason. I might have to change it to the super wildcard game because I love the triple header on Saturday and I love the triple header on Sunday. And by the way, I think that college football may have to reconsider putting their game on Monday. Did you see the ratings for college football? They were down uh, to the lowest level that the national championship game has ever been. And it actually rated lower the national championship game did than the two playoff games in the semifinals, which never happens. And you had two big brands in Alabama and Ohio State. Now, I tend to think that a lot of that might have been that Alabama came out and just dominated. And by halftime, a lot of people were like, yeah, this game's already been decided. But I'm curious with you guys, because I think this happened. I think now that they've gone to the super wild card weekend, I think a lot of people watched football all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and then by Monday night, they weren't as excited to watch a seventh game as they otherwise might have been. And I was having a conversation with a buddy, and he was like, hey, how do you think it would have gone if they had put the college football game on a Friday night as opposed to a Monday night? In other words, if they got college football in front of the NFL's six-game wildcard weekend as opposed to after it. Do you think that that factored in at all that there were a lot of people out there that had watched six straight football games on Saturday and Sunday, and then by Monday night, they were like, I've already watched enough football, and they decided to watch The Bachelor instead. By the way, I caught up on The Bachelor now that football's over. Seven million people, I think it was, watched the, the first episode of The Bachelor. And I'm going to be, Petros and I are going to have a heck of a time breaking down this season because I think The Bachelor is really likable. But there are a lot of people uh, among the the, the would be uh, fiance of The Bachelor. The Do women. they show booty on The Bachelor? Do you watch? No, I don't watch. Did anybody else watch The Bat Dub? Do you watch? I've begun watching this season, yes. But are you do, are you taking my advice on this is the per- perfect way to talk to girls? I am. Why did you Even start though, watching now? Well, so a couple of my roommates, they they watch it for the same reason. Guys. Yeah. Single guys. Yeah, well, a couple of them have girlfriends. Yeah. And they come over, so it's kind of like a Tuesday night watch party kind of deal. We we just do the recorded version. Yeah. And so Tuesday everybody night. sits around and watches it. What do you think about Queen Victoria? Queen Victoria, man. Is she an she, actress or who? is she actually like that? Not the She's, actual Queen Victoria who's been dead for a while in uh, in England. The This is Queen Victoria on The Bachelor. I mean, I tend to think that she's putting on an act. I mean, there's no way on earth that that's who that girl really is. There's just no way. 
See, I was having this conversation with my wife and our nanny. So now that the kids are all in school, we spent Monday afternoon. I talk about how busy I am, but Monday afternoon, like I walk through the house and my wife and our nanny are sitting down watching The Bachelor or 90 Day Fiance every time I walk through the room. And I'm not sure there's more addictive television than 90 Day Fiance or The Bachelor. So it's unbelievable. I, yeah. I, I like I if I walk through the room and they are in the middle of either of those shows, I sit down and like it's 30 minutes later and I all I've done is sit and watch what's going to happen with 90 Day Fiance. Are they going to get their visa? Did she really buy the car on a credit card? <laughs> Although my wife's like, up, the my wife's upset because they they have that uh, streaming service now. So they're they're one of their most popular shows is now only available through their streaming service. 90 Day Fiance is? Yeah, the roundup of the... the oh, the roundup. Yeah, yeah, the pillow talk. Yeah, it's, it's only available now on... Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I've watched some of the pillow talk. $5 a month. How much is it? $5 five, a month? Yeah. I got to be honest with you. That's probably $5 well spent. Yeah, that's but, what I was telling my wife. She's like, no. So I, I sit down and I watch those shows when I, watch, when I walk through. And my argument, people are like, oh, why do you watch the best? If you are a single guy and you have trouble talking to women, if you watch The, ba- the Bachelor... You have got something to talk to virtually every girl who is 18 to 34 years old because almost 100% of 18 to 34-year-old girls, that is the prime age of single dating women, now now inevitably I'm going to get blown up. (laughs) I'm 35 and I'm still at my prime. Don't you tell me when the prime age is. The The prime, like the demographic, 18 to 34 is the prime marriage age of women, right? Uh, and so, uh, by and large. And maybe you can say, oh, you're 35, you're 36, whatever. You can still be in your prime too. But the prime demographic there that they use for television rating purposes is 18 to 34-year-olds. The number of 18 to 34-year-old single women who watch The Bachelor is almost 100%. And so, if you are a guy and you have trouble finding a subject to talk to a woman about, this is a gold mine. Dub, I've been saying this for years, and I know there's a lot of awkward dudes who listen to this radio program and have no idea how to actually talk to a woman. Am I not giving them incredible advice that if they watch this, they will have something to break the ice with? I mean, absolutely. It's like two hours of free content yes. every week. and Just two hours of conversation starter. That's right. Because you mentioned Victoria. There's so many other characters in the show, but I mean, Victoria certainly stands out. Like I said, I, what what is your opinion? Do you think she's real? I think she has to be an actress. I mean, not only I do I not think she's real, I think she's from L.A. I think that she is on the show to be an actress, and there's no way that she could be real as, as she is. And also, I don't think there's any way that this is the artificial portion of the show. I think his name's James, right? He's former wide receiver at Wake Forest, uh, The Bachelor. Um, I think that... He is 100% being told to keep her because she's pretty much riveting television. So I don't think there's any way that he actually wants to date her or seriously consider her as a, uh, as a potential mate, right? Now we can get into whether anybody's likely to be a potential mate on this show. Also but, watch 90 Day Fiance if you want to talk to women about something. Cause, 90 Day Fiance yeah, works too. Uh, yeah, a lot of women watch 90 Day Fiance. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, not a bad idea. Matt James is uh, is the guy's name, and he was a wide receiver at Wake Forest. If you are a big ACC football fan, does anybody know if he was any good as a wide receiver at Wake Forest? 
did you look up anybody look up his stat? Like I looked him up on Wikipedia because I was like, I I'm a big college football fan, but it's not like I know every wide receiver in the game. So I'm not sure how uh, how successful of a wide receiver he was at Wake, uh, but he's likable, and you need to have. Sometimes they have bachelors on who are awful, like Juan Pablo, who was the former pro soccer star, and he barely spoke English, and all the girls hated him, and like they kept just saying like, "Hey, I want off the show," and that's somewhat riveting because you're like, it's a cringe-worthy bachelor, but you got to have somebody who can be the villain on the show or at least can have a dark side, and it doesn't seem like The Bachelor does. It seems like he's a uh, pretty good dude. That's pretty good. 40 catches for 401 yards in his last season. I mean, that's it's not like he was uh, you know, the ninth wide receiver off the bench. I mean, that's a decent number of catches. Yeah, but unfortunately, no career touchdowns while at Wake. I'm sure that probably haunts him to this day. Probably does. Was he there with Dave Clawson? Because they scored a lot of touchdowns with Dave 2014 Clawson. was his senior year. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, so within this context that I got onto, uh, onto this, uh, onto this <laughs> angle. Yeah, you were talking about the amount of football games that yeah. were on. Well, now it's time to go talk to Jeff Schwartz about the game. So my advice to you, everybody out there, single guys that are listening to this. And by the way, Dub's like, well, they're not single. They've got, if you're not married, you're single. All right? So everybody, even if you have a girlfriend – you should be watching The Bachelor because we're going to be talking about it now because it's on every Monday night. Is that right, Dub? Monday night. They put it head to head. I always miss one of the seasons because they put it head to head with Monday Night Football. Uh, they they counter program. ESPN has got uh, Monday Night Football on. But the reason why I brought The Bachelor up was because I think it might have impacted the amount of people watching the college football playoff because. I mean, I think that this thing has become so popular, The Bachelor, that especially where there's not necessarily a lot of new programming. So they basically went NBA here. They took over a hotel and created their own Bachelor bubble so that they could film during COVID. And they quarantined all the girls and they tested them. Do you think they test them for herpes and like chlamydia and all that stuff too? You think so? <laughs> yep. So you know if you're The Bachelor, like everybody's got a clean bill of health. No HIV, no gonorrhea, no herpes, no COVID. Like this is just fertile territory. Do you think they test them for everything? I would think so because what do they call it at the end of the season when they go to the the private room or whatever? The, don't they do that fantasy on the, suite. the fantasy suite? There yeah. you go. Yeah. I mean, the, the guy or the girl that's featured on the show, they're going to get around, so – I'm sure they're yeah. going to make sure that's, that's, that's safe. actually a good point. It would yeah. be tough if everybody got chlamydia on the Bachelor, <laughs> like or gonorrhea, like, and they had to stop. They had to stop filming. Yeah, you want to go viral with Herpes, your show, but yeah, not you don't like want to go with that virus. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, you're probably right. They probably do STD catch up t- test them. Although I've never actually uh, thought about that before. It would be a real scandal if the Bachelor had HIV and they finished the show, and everybody had HIV who was uh, one of the finalists, Like that would be a rough spot to be in. Probably a big lawsuit. So I bet they do check them for STD. So my question when I started talking about all this was, do you buy into six wildcard weekend games on Saturday, Sunday, college football then going on Monday is in a tough spot because of all the football do you think they might do better if they put that game on Friday night leading into the NFL 
as opposed to the capstone to the NFL. One million percent. The new girl that I'm dating, she is a casual football fan, so she didn't mind the first couple of games. But then once I got into Sunday's games, yes. she was like, can we go outside? Can we do something? And so I uh, took a little break after the, the Ravens-Titans game and um, we just went to the park, played some basketball, did stuff like the that. The rims are back up? Uh, no, this was in her city. Yeah, not in, in Burbank. I can't play basketball. They took still. the rims off of your public oh, courts. Man. So, you know, by the time it got to Monday, and she has a son who loves football, so and he wanted Ohio State to win. He's a Justin Fields fan. So I wanted to watch Monday's game with him, but I'm not going to go back after she was already complaining on Sunday that there was too much football on. So I think the the amount of football games definitely affected what was going on Monday. Now, not for me. I watched at home. Uh, the, I the still think it would have potentially done better if it had been closer. I think people by halftime felt like Alabama had it won when they were up 35-18. That's a good point. Ohio because, State could, or 35-17, I guess it was. Ohio State couldn't cover yeah. Devontae Smith. I mean, the, the game, it was like, it felt like a pro team playing uh, a uh, college team watching it, it, Alabama it, against Ohio State. Yeah, it might as, might as well have been Coastal Carolina, to be honest with you, because at halftime, it felt like Devontae Smith had won the game by himself. Almost, and so I started doing work emails for Outkick at halftime, and I I had still had it on in the background, but I definitely was not paying close attention in the third and fourth quarter. Dub, what do you think about the idea of Friday as opposed to Monday? I love that idea personally. A nice little hors d'oeuvre heading into yeah. a triple header and a triple header, and just by the way, on the the whole bachelor thing, one I think one thing at least for me because I've been dating a girl for a couple months here, and she does. I watch every football game ever. That's just who I am. That's just what I do. The FanDuel app in here in Tennessee has made the viewing experience of non-fans incredible. She likes like, to gamble. Yeah, I, I've turned her on to the FanDuel app because she'll she she goes to the boost section, you know, where they yeah. boost the odds. So she'll put like a dollar or two. Gives on her one an of those incentive boosts. to care. Right, exactly. So it makes it, I guess, bearable for her to watch. I, I've thought about that because... Um, so you say, turn the girl into a fellow degenerate. <laughs> yeah, you turned her into a That's gambler. Right. But <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I was talking about this with my wife. My wife and my mom both have the app and occasionally will place bets. And I don't think they've ever placed bets before. And But if you think about this, whenever there is a Super Bowl party, it seems to me that women get most fired up about like the bias square, what's the game going to end up, the total going to end up on. You know, like if, if you are having people over and you're going to do some sort of raffle or some sort of ability to win money, um, it seems to me that women get into that in a way that they typically wouldn't, right? I don't know what percentage of uh, people who gamble right now are male, but in, on sports – but I think it's fair to say it's like 90%, right? I mean, I, I think if, if they were giving you the data on who is gambling, but the average number of women that watch football games is much higher than that. So it's interesting you mentioned that, Dub, because I do think, and I'm not talking about big dollar wagers. I'm just talking about making it fun. I do think that as they gamify the gambling, so you bet a dollar, $2, $5, something small, uh, but you give somebody a chance to have a stake in the game, it actually is going to increase the number of people that are interested, particularly if uh, if it's relatively easy to use the app, uh, which it is, by the way, fanduel.com slash clay. 
Uh, Eddie, do you think Friday night it would be easier to draw an audience for the college football title game? Do you buy into the idea that the super wild card weekend, three on Saturday, three on Sunday, some people were burned out to a certain extent on Monday from all the games? I don't. I honestly don't know. People say who know more than me that people don't watch TV on Fridays. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. So I don't know. I, I, it certainly wouldn't matter to me. I would watch it on Friday and then watch the NFL Saturday and Sunday. And I had I watched the entire game on Monday. So yeah, I didn't. Me, I watched all seven. Yeah, so I didn't, I'm, I didn't we're, we're not necessarily the target audience. Probably. But somebody was asking me that question. Hey, if they put it on Friday night, because typically they have two games on Saturday and two on Sunday on a typical wild card weekend. And that's a big difference to suddenly bump it to six, especially when you consider the games kick off at one and they basically went till 10 or whatever it is every night for the entire weekend. And then boom, you've got a Monday night game. And somebody, I don't remember who specifically it was, but said, hey, what about a Friday night leading into the Saturday and Sunday? So you got the appetizer being college football as opposed to trying to make it the dessert. And I thought that was a, a really kind of interesting idea. Do you think it would have had more viewers if Ohio State would have been 12-0 like Alabama, 12-0 yeah, instead that, of 8-0 like they were? And Alabama was so dominant all season? Yeah, I think probably so. I think, I think really it was by halftime the game being over because we were watching and I was like, okay, there's no way that Ohio State is coming back in this game. Yeah, same here. And eventually, I guess Ohio State cut it to 14 uh, at one point, maybe late in the third quarter. And then Bama sort of quickly scored back-to-back touchdowns to make it a 28-point game. And so basically, I mean, it's not like there was ever a point where you thought for the entire second half, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. In fact, even the way the first half ended, it felt like Ohio State was almost throwing in the towel. Uh, all right, as uh, we get ready, up next, we're going to talk to uh, Jeff Schwartz. I'll ask him that question about uh, the college football playoff, and also we'll talk about the four upcoming NFL games. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Goodyear tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installation near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their goodyear test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be Jeff Schwartz joins us now. Uh, Jeff, why do you think, this is a psychological question for you, why do you think it seems that guys like Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, who are making $40 million a year to play a sport, seem so profoundly unhappy? It's a great question. I was talking about this on um, my radio show last night, like about Kyrie and just, like how did he get to this point where he's just, doesn't seem to enjoy life, doesn't seem to, to enjoy playing basketball anymore. Um, you know, I, I know Adam Silver's talked about social media and how that's affected his players. And, I, you know, I think we kind of laughed at that. Like, yeah, we all have social media. We all have to deal with the same things that a lot of these, these, these celebrities have to deal with uh, as far as the hate that we get and things like that. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's the reason why. There are two um, 
too focused on, you know, social media or too focused on other things besides their sport. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know money doesn't always buy happiness in these situations. Uh, but, you know, James Harden forced his way out of Houston, which I get, right? You, you have the power to do so. Um, but, I mean, is he going to be any happier in Brooklyn with, with two other superstars? Probably not. Um, so, I think that's, that's all part of it. Like, I think these guys, sometimes it's hard to find who you are when you have all this money and you're able to do a lot of things in life. And guys just kind of don't know who they're supposed to be. And that's the whole part of this. There's a lot of pressure on, you know, athletes. And some guys just don't handle it. The way other guys do, I, 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 you know, transitioned fine, you know, in my thirties. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't know. It's, it's very odd. Do you, when you were in an NFL locker room, did would you? I mean, you've had different. It's not like you've had a lot of traditional jobs, but would you find that the people in your locker room seem happy? Like, would you have characterized it as a fun place to work, or? Do you think it was roughly representative of what a normal office would be, uh, granted, with guys that are well compensated yeah. to play a game? Like, what kind of vibe and, and how much difference was there from one locker room to another? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a much, you know, if you're comparing it to the NBA, it's obviously very different because the NBA is a player driven league and we're, we're, you know, we're driven by more ownership. Well, also, I mean, there's I just regular... way more people in a locker room yeah, I, I in, mean, the, in think, the NFL. I think the locker room was the same as probably work is, right? There's some days where you don't want to go in, some days where you're happy to go in. You, you have coworkers you like and dislike. Uh, obviously, you know, the pressure of our job might be different than other jobs. You know, the stress of like, hey, we might, you know, you might get cut tomorrow or you might not have a job next year is, is stressful. Um, obviously, the money, you know, it's helpful and, and kind of calming nerves down. But I feel like it's in every other job. You're always, I mean, now that I'm in the media, you know, I, I, you know, okay, if I say the wrong thing, do I get, you know, do I get in trouble? If I make a bad block, do I get, you know, do I get cut? I mean, sort of the same things you got to worry about. Um, but, you know, the, the one thing that's always interesting is, is people always think that we love each other in the locker room. Like, every, I love every teammate. It's like, you're in the workplace. Do you love all your coworkers? No, you, work, you, you figure out how to get along with them, and that's how the NFL locker room is. And, and winning helps a lot of that happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Kyrie Irving, he's just – it's just weird. Like, I, I don't know how – some guys are just weird cats. And, you know, in, in, before social media, you, we didn't know these guys were odd unless obviously like a big feature was done in Sports Illustrated or your local newspaper wrote something or there was something on, on TV. But, like, now with social media, you get to see them every day through their tweets or through any sort of live video on social media. You see these guys every day. It really wasn't the case. And so I think we get to see an inside view of some guys. And maybe even 15 years ago, we wouldn't know Kyrie Irving was this way or James Harden because it wasn't covered the way it is now. It's, it's a good point. Uh, all right, let's dive into the NFL. And I'm going to start with Saturday's games. What do you expect in Rams-Packers? What do you expect in Ravens-Bills? So Rams-Packers is interesting. You know, a lot of people talk about the Jalen Ramsey-Devontae Adams matchup, and rightfully so, but... I think this game hinges more on the Rams' offense against the Packers' defense. And let's, let's be clear, Jared Goff was benched this past weekend. He wasn't – he was hurt. I, he had surgery, yes. But he was benched. And, and there's talk now that he might not even start this weekend and John Walford might start. That, that's not good. I, I don't know why or how John is better than Jared Goff. And 
so if you're starting a backup quarterback in this game, I do not trust you to win this game nor nor cover this game, quite honestly. I know it's under a touchdown now at six and a half. Uh, so I think the Packers' defense is fresh. Jair Alexander does a great job in the back end. They try to stop the run. If they stop the run and can score some points, I think they have a chance to, to win this game by over a touchdown. Uh, look, the Packers, as good as Devontae Adams and is, and as good as Jalen Ramsey, is that matchup will be great. The Packers have other weapons, and they're really good at play-action passes. The Rams are not very good at covering. So I think the Packers win this game by, by more than a touchdown, probably going away at the end. And the other game is uh, is which one? The, Ravens Bills uh, on Saturday. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's a great game. Um, I go back to last week, and I, I like the Colts plus the points. I took them on the money line. I think I was right. Uh, you know, I know they lost the game, but they should have won the game, right? Four hundred fifty yards, no no turnovers. First time NFL history a team lost a playoff game uh, with with those numbers. They played better than than Buffalo and. Uh, I'm going back to the Ravens here. Against, I took them straight up uh, on, on the money line. I think the Ravens do the one thing the Bills have trouble in, on their team. That's defending the run. If you look at all the games where the Bills uh, have played close games or lost, it's when the team runs the ball they're playing. And the Ravens are the best in the NFL at running the football right now. I mean, they're averaging like 260 yards a game over the last six. And I think they're going to go into Buffalo with the kind of a weight lifted off their shoulders with a playoff win and do some damage. Now, on the flip side, Josh Allen, uh, I think I'll have a big game. He's really good against pressure, and, and the Ravens pressure a ton, number one in the NFL uh, in blitz percentage. So uh, that matchup is going to be fun to watch. But I think we, I'm banking on Josh Allen at the end of the game kind of combusting still. We saw last year in the playoffs, at the end of the game, he was crazy. This year, he fumbled that ball. Like, he, 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 he should have given the ball back to the Colts, and they should have won in that moment. They recovered the ball. Obviously, Buffalo did. I think the Ravens will force him to do that. So I'm, I'm going with the Ravens. Uh, I know it's a short, short road dog, but I'll take them on the money line. Can you come back and break down Sunday games with us, including your brother's game? We're up against a break yeah. here. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. One bit of news that is out there. Uh, Jacksonville and former Ohio State head coach and Florida head coach uh, Urban Meyer, according to Adam Schefter, in advance talks to see if they can finalize a deal. They met again on Wednesday, and per Adam Schefter, who just tweeted this, I was talking about needing people to tweet earlier in the morning. There you go. At this time, it's Jacksonville as the one and only team that he is considering for Urban Meyer. Jags owner Shad Khan's process has led him to Meyer. Myers highly interested, and the two sides are interested in trying to finalize a deal this week. Uh, also, a um, uh, bit of news out there, over 3,500. Well, I'll give you the update after we talk with Chris Mannix. I asked you to vote on which NFL playoff game you're most interested in watching, and it is a super tight race. You can go vote at Clay Travis for our poll question. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and bring in uh, Chris Mannix, who we last talked to uh, when the NBA was completing its season in October. But with the big uh, trade that went on yesterday, I thought we needed to get him to assess how things have been going as we're about, I don't know, 12 or 15% through the NBA's regular season so far. How crazy was this trade? Do you think that Brooklyn and Steve Nash in particular is going to be able to hold together Harden, Durant, and Kyrie through this season? Well, it's a challenge, that's for sure. And any conversation about the Nets has to be viewed through the prism of 
not having any idea what Kyrie's future is going to be. Um, you know, he missed his fourth game this week. There's an expectation internally he'll mix, miss at least five and six. And then with the appearance of this video that purports to show Kyrie at a birthday party over the last few days without a mask on, suddenly he goes into the NBA protocols and it could be even longer for him to be out of the lineup. So, I mean, that's one part of it. Um, I do think, though, if you want to look at it in a big-picture way, it's the right move to make if you're, if you're the, the Nets. I mean, look, a couple of years ago, Kawhi Leonard was a disgruntled player in San Antonio with no interest in playing in Toronto. They went on to win a championship. Things can change. I mean, we can probably all agree that how James Harden got to this point was you know, fairly despicable. I mean, you know, kind of just quitting on his team throughout the season – but here we are. He's in a situation with a former teammate in a city he wants to play in. I fully expect a James Harden revival over the next few months. And in the playoffs, Clay, when you have guys that can score on their own, you win. It's as simple as that. The NBA is a star-driven league, and now the Nets on paper have you know the, uh, the first big three since Durant left Golden State. Okay. The NBA gives a lot of leniency to players. As you just mentioned, it's a star-driven league. It's a player-driven league. But even within that star construct, and even with that leniency, it seems like a lot of guys are rolling their eyes about what's going on with Kyrie Irving in terms of where he is and why he's not with his team. What do we know about why he's not there, at least what he's told the Nets, and what are you hearing in the league about perceptions and opinions on the way Kyrie is behaving. Yeah, look, the Nets know why he's not with them. They're not sharing it, and I'm a little reluctant to speculate on a guy leaving for personal reasons, though you know, there are some tea leaves you can read to, to kind of figure out some stuff there with Kyrie and how he feels about the political climate right now. Um, it, it's, it's something that the Nets are going to continue to treat with kid gloves, not because they're okay with all this or they're not starting to get frustrated by all this. Their public statements, as minimal as they've been, have kind of indicated that. But they're just not going to be willing to sabotage what could be a championship season over you know five or six games in the month of January. They're frustrated. I think Kevin Durant is probably starting to get a little bit frustrated. And you can certainly make the argument that the Nets decided to devote as many draft picks as they did, in part because of the uncertainty around Irving and, you know, to a lesser degree, the absence of Spencer Dinwiddie, who's done for the rest of the season. You have Harden and Durant just by themselves. You're in a position to win just like that. Irving, I don't want to say it becomes ancillary, but he, you know, it's almost like icing on the cake uh, with a team like that. So uh, it's starting to, to reach, I don't want to call it a boiling point, but it's starting to get up there in temperature But the Nets, from what I'm told, have made it clear that they're going to ride this thing out because they believe with a healthy and happy Kyrie Irving, uh, they're a championship threat. Does this destroy even more the NBA brand? Because I started off the show saying, regardless of what is going on in your life, there aren't very many people who are going to be sympathetic for Kyrie Irving making $40 million or whatever a year he is just deciding not to show up at all for work. Uh, particularly, I think that's any time for fans out there because typically what fans value is work ethic, 
hard work. And it's even more, I would argue, the case now when so many people are unemployed, when so many people are struggling. And I would imagine even in the NBA, there are a lot of people looking at Kyrie Irving and saying, how does this guy just leave and just decide he doesn't want to play? He's potentially partying with Drake. He's showing up for Zoom calls uh, for political-related issues. I mean, it's always a bad look, I think, but this is like a next-level bad look for Kyrie Irving. I would agree. Um, Whatever it is he's going through um, on a personal level, that's one thing, but to show up, as you said, on, you know, on camera, on video, at a party, and then there was that you know, kind of bizarre, I don't know if it was a fundraiser or whatever it was on Zoom for a political candidate, which I believe, if the timelines match up, was during a Nets game. Yes. That was going on. So th- they, these are all just bad looks, which Kyrie is going to have to explain to his teammates. I mean, forget the media. Like, you know, he's... I'm sure, Clay, in the next two weeks, it's going to be the media's fault. Like, it will wind up being our fault for writing about it and not understanding where he's plight and all that. It just, it always winds up that way. But he's going to have to explain to the coaching staff, to his teammates, and get them back on board with his commitment to the franchise. I think the one player whose reactions and responses you have to watch is Kevin Durant. I mean, Durant, he could have played anywhere. He could have signed with anybody, even with that Achilles tear. Anybody would have given him the max, including Golden State, to bring him back to play with Steph, Clay, and Draymond and those guys. He chose Brooklyn. He chose Kyrie Irving because he believed that he and Kyrie would be a great fit. You know, Durant is not giving any kind of indications that his frustration level is boiling over at this point, but he now has his ex-buddy James Harden, his former Oklahoma City teammate, his USA basketball teammate, a former MVP, now in the mix as his running buddy. I wonder over the next couple of weeks if Kyrie's absence continues, you know, does Durant's mindset on that relationship change? What do we know about Steve Nash's ability to manage all these different superstar egos? And the reason why I ask is it seems to me so much of the NBA, and, and I think coaching in general as guys have made more and more money, but particularly in the NBA, is about being able to reach people who don't need to be reached. And what I mean by that is these guys are all set for life. And figuring out a way to motivate them is ultimately what distinguishes a okay coach from a great coach. Phil Jackson is a fantastic example. He was able to reach Shaq. He was able to reach Kobe. He was able to reach Jordan and Pippen and Rodman and everybody else on those eccentric level Bulls teams. It seems like Steve Kerr, Uh, has been able to do the same thing with managing a lot of the challenges associated with egos with the Warriors. And maybe he learned from Phil Jackson. Maybe he learned from playing with Michael and Scotty back in the day. Steve Nash obviously has played with a lot of big superstars over his career. He won a couple of MVPs himself, but he never really had that superstar aura, I think because he came in from Santa Clara, Canadian. He was always trying to prove that he belonged in the league as opposed to being a superstar from the minute he entered the league. Can he manage these superstars? Does he have the wherewithal as a first-year head coach to pull it off? The short answer is we don't know. I mean, we just don't know enough <clears throat> Excuse me, about Steve Nash's temperament, his coaching acumen, how he handles locker rooms to be able to answer that with any kind of honesty in, uh, in a situation like this. I mean, 
Look, you mentioned Phil and you mentioned Steve Kerr. I think a better analogy here Spolster. for Nash is going to be Eric Spolster. Yeah, I yeah. mean, look, LeBron James came to Miami after being catered to for like seven years in Cleveland. Like it was his show down there. And Eric Spolstra, to his credit, and with the full backing of Pat Riley, said, we don't do things like that down here. You are coached down here. And you know what? LeBron benefited greatly from that. He described his four years in Miami as being like a college-like education of basketball. James Harden is a similar type of player. He has spent the last seven years being catered to down in Houston, having an offense built entirely around him, having teammates being brought in at his whim. Um, how Steve Nash handles Harden and how he's able to to kind of figure out that relationship will determine how successful the Nets are. There, there are certainly other you know variables to all this, but that's one I'm watching closest. Look, Durant has a previous relationship with Nash from Golden State. He was on board with all this. Kyrie said the right things, but Harden doesn't know Nash from anywhere, from anyone. How, what kind of attitude he comes in with and how Nash is able to navigate that that's something I'm watching really closely. How good of a relationship do Harden and Kevin Durant have? They were obviously teammates in Oklahoma City. What do you know about their interactions, their chemistry? It's pretty strong. Um, and Harden was one of those players that didn't burn any bridges on his way out of town. It, it wasn't a you know Durant-Westbrook situation. Harden left not because he didn't like his role, but because Oklahoma City wouldn't pay him. And that's been, been well chronicled over the years as one of the big mistakes the Thunder made in that kind of Durant-Westbrook-Harden uh, era. But he's maintained, you know, up until last year, a really strong relationship with Westbrook. He's maintained a pretty strong relationship with Durant. I mentioned they were USA basketball teammates uh, for a cycle. Um, I, I, don't, I think that is a positive for the Nets, that these two guys come in with a pre-existing relationship. But again, there's only one basketball. James Harden is one of the highest usage rate players in NBA history. Kevin Durant if you've watched him, looks like the MVP from a few years ago. Uh, Irving is a high-scoring guard. This is not going to be easy, like getting, getting these guys on the same page and developing the kind of chemistry you need to beat the Milwaukee's, the Miami's, the Boston's, the Eastern Conference, much less the Lakers at an NBA Finals. Should they be considered the favorite, in your mind, the Nets? In the East right now, on yes. paper, yes. Yes, I think. The Lakers, to me, still uh, are still the favorite for everything else. Uh, okay, so if the Nets are the favorites in the East, the Lakers are the favorites in the West, what should we know or need to know about the Lakers and LeBron this year since we last saw them in October? I mean, they're better because their roster is a little bit better. Dennis Schroeder is the right fit for that team. I mean, they're just on cruise control right now. I mean, you saw LeBron the other night you know, doing the Steph Curry three-point turnaround, just embarrassing the Rockets in, in that game. Like, they've... Yeah, the, 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 the front court changes have not adversely affected them. You know, Marcus Saul's been okay. Uh, yeah, everything else is, is status quo. I mean, Anthony Davis looks like the defensive player of the year. LeBron uh, is an early favorite for MVP. They haven't been impacted by COVID at all, I think, up until this point. So uh, everything has been, you know, quiet on Lakers front. That's a good thing because they're just rolling along this early in the season. Do you believe that the NBA is going to have to stop the season because certainly they're adjusting their COVID protocols on the fly, first part, second part? Is there any possibility that when the postseason gets here, another bubble is instituted? I don't believe they'll stop the season unless there is a proliferation of, of teams impacted by, by COVID-19. I think that 
right now there's only about five or six hot spots that have emerged in the NBA. Um, if that number grows to 12 or 15, then I think it's a different conversation. But right now the league is focused on you know, tweaking those rules and pushing through. The playoffs are a different story, though. You know, if we're in the same place in April where you've got, you know, these hot spots flaring up and we're not down the road with a vaccine enough to, to get these guys vaccinated in May and early June, uh, I think then we will see a bubble being explored. I think the NBA is going to protect the integrity of the playoffs at all costs. you got to remember, too, like the NBA, like they announced 16 positive tests. That's a much bigger number than they had the week before. But what's killing the NBA is contact tracing. Right. Like these guys, like these guys are like one of the reasons they made these rules effectively, you know, forcing guys to stay in while at home and on the road is that they can't have one guy test positive and six guys go out. Like it's, yeah. it's just less a health issue than it is a issue that their own rules prevent them from letting these guys play. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated. Appreciate you getting up early with us, breaking this down. Anything else we should know about the NBA so far this season that I didn't ask you about? No, eventually games will be played, I think. You know, we'll stop having so many, you know, postponements, and hopefully we'll get back on track. Good stuff. Appreciate it, my man. We'll talk to you again soon. You got it. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts it's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. 
Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.